Charlotte. I'm James Briarton. Welcome to an all new edition of the Carolina Weather Group streaming to you live on this Wednesday, April the 19th, 2023. Or maybe you're watching us on demand or in syndication. We are well, we are excited that you are here welcoming you in as we welcome in our guests, Candace Jordan from the Shield Museum and Brad Penovich from WCNC Charlotte. This is definitely not the second time we've tried to do the show tonight following <laughs> earlier technical problems. Definitely, definitely not. Uh, we Nope, nope, we would never. We would never just like restart and do it again. Do it live. Here we are. Uh, we are going to talk about some uh, really cool opportunities coming your way in the greater Charlotte area to get involved with weather. There are at least two of them as we inch our way towards Earth Day on Saturday. But I wanted to start, guys, and I wanted to uh, have you in here as we get ready to play this with what I'm calling our cover story tonight. It is also courtesy of our friends at WCNC Charlotte, where, uh, full disclaimer, I work during the day, and then I bully Brad into coming into the podcast at mm -hmm. night. That's essentially how this works. So uh, in case you're wondering how that works, there you go. Uh, Duke Energy has announced a new pilot program just in time for Earth Day to help make homes more energy efficient. They're going to retrofit homes, and this pilot program will use $4 million from Duke and another million dollars from the city of Charlotte to help identify homes that might be most in need of retrofitting to make them more energy efficient, more cost efficient, and better for the environment. Here's WCNC reporter Julia Kaufman. When living on a fixed income, high energy bills make it hard to keep the lights on. Making homes more energy efficient could save families hundreds of dollars each month. I have heard throughout my tenure on the council where utility bills, especially electric bills, are over $500. That's why Duke Energy is launching a new program called High Energy Usage Assistance. Mecklenburg is one of three counties in the state chosen for the pilot. Very uh, high burden on families who live on a fixed income. And this program will help those residents to stay in housing. The company is investing $4 million in the Charlotte area, and city council just approved spending an additional $1 million on the effort. And some of our energy retrofit work would include things like replacement of HVAC systems, uh, air sealing and insulation, replacing old refrigerators with uh, Energy Star models. Duke Energy spokesperson Keith Richardson says before upgrading appliances, older homes may also have their windows and doors updated. you got to address those safe health and safety issues before you do those energy efficiency work. It's like putting fancy, you know, uh, paint job on a car that's falling apart. The goal is to help 1,000 households become more energy efficient over the next two years. To be eligible, you must be at or below the 200% federal poverty level. For an individual, that means they can't make more than $2,430 a month. For a family of four, the income cap is $5,000 a month. Renters and homeowners can apply online or by calling Duke Energy. All right, we're going to drop a link to Julia's story right now in the chat. If you're watching with us here on the Carolina Weather Group YouTube and Facebook on this Wednesday night as we bring back in Candace and Jordan. You know, guys, it's, it's kind of a very interesting program because Duke is putting in $4 million. The city of Charlotte's putting in another million dollars. The city of Charlotte is one of three locations that are participating in this pilot program that over the course of the next two years hopes to prove the need for something like this to make these homes more energy efficient, more environmentally friendly, 
and again, cheaper for the residents. So they hope that if it does well here in Mecklenburg County, Forsyth County, and Guilford counties, uh, that they'll be able to expand it in those three counties alone, Duke Energy says they've identified 22,000 homes that would theoretically be eligible for this program if it were to fully launch. So again, they're going to do roughly 1,000 homes in the first two years, try it out, and then I'm going to presume, like most things, seek more funding. Yeah. But that is, um, I thought, a really interesting partnership public-private partnership between the big electric company and the city here in Charlotte, where they're doing 500 of these homes over the course of the next two years. And, you know, they had some interesting statistics uh, that Duke put out citing the Department of Energy that the national average energy burden, that is the percentage of gross income spent on energy costs for low-income households is about 8.6%, which is three times higher than for non-low-income households, which spend an estimated about 3%. Um, and so by helping those homeowners, they're hoping to help everyone environmentally uh, as they target this program over the next couple of years. Again, you can find more linked in the description or wherever you're watching or listening to us tonight. And I wanted to start there, Brad and Candice, because I thought that was a really relevant news piece that WCNC shared with us as we look ahead to Earth Day on Saturday, as we're talking about the environment and ways that we can all be more energy efficient at home. Maybe it's just replacing that weather seal on the front door or uh, maybe even replacing some windows if you have that in the budget. Um, matter of fact, we uh, here in my home near Matthews, let's go to the triple box. Shall we go to the triple <laughs> box? Uh, we just got a wood stove. I know it's April and I know it's heating <laughs> up, Brad, but we're going to be ready now for next winter. When it's cold, we can yeah. rely less on the electric heating and more on the on the wood stove. Is yeah. that cold to air quotes? I'm thinking back to Christmas Eve when the yeah, power went out. That was that was our one week of winter. You know, right. Right. We, we are off to the warmest start on record to the year in Charlotte. So it, it's been incredibly warm. And I, I love these programs because I think a lot of times, especially as we get close to Earth Day and we talk about climate change and what people can do, they always think it's this big overarching thing. And what I do is not going to make a big difference. You know, there's a lot of small things you can do that in many cases don't cost a lot of money and they save you money. So, yeah, we want you to do a lot of a lot of things to help, you know, save uh, your carbon footprint and help the environment. But the great benefit of all this, it saves you money. That's the whole side benefit. So anything you can do and you mentioned just weather stripping, that's a really cheap thing to do. Caulking, um, just, you know, using your house more efficiently. You know, some people crank their air conditioning up in the middle of a hot summer day. That's not the time to do that. Do that if you're going to do it in the evening when it's cooler outside, it makes it more efficient. For me, the big thing for me is changing those filters. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm pretty, I'm pretty paranoid about those. I change those all the time and I clean and wash off my outdoor unit. Just little things like that can make everything run more efficiently, keep your house cooler and save you money. And that's a win-win for everybody. I think one we like renewable thing that I love to see people do is they'll get like the rain barrels, you know, mm -hmm. and so like when it rains and then you can use that water there to water, you know, gardens, grass, you know, whatever, like plant life that you want to water. And I think that's a really easy way because it's free, like it falls <laughs> in the sky. It's going to be consistent through the summer that we're going to get some kind of pop-up thunderstorm that will dump some rain in your house. So why not yeah. try to capture it? And I guarantee wherever that thunderstorm is going to happen, it's going to be a weekend because we've got the data to back it up that it seems to only rain on the weekends. So at least on Saturdays, that, I will say we've, we've had a lot of rain on the weekends, but only like two of them have been both days. So 
it's right. always been kind of like one day gets rain and the other one's better. So unfortunately this weekend, that one day is Saturday. <laughs> Let's use that as a transition point uh, because we've got a great now indoor event. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you can come participate in, learn about weather, learn about the earth, learn about gardening. Uh, let me start with Candice since she is on tonight from the Shield Museum and then we'll explain how you can hang out with Brad at the same event. But Candice, Shield Museum in Gastonia. For anybody who doesn't know Gastonia, just to the west of the Charlotte area. But if you're close enough to know that and close enough to drive, this is an event for you to come check out. What, what are you guys doing there at the uh, uh, museum on Saturday? Yeah, so it's called Flower Power. So, you know, get groovy about talking about Earth. Um, it's our Earth Day celebration. Um, so what we're doing is we are talking things about like renewable energy. So like I'll be doing a booth all about like solar and wind and geothermal powered energy and just having a lot of fun. Um, we have lots of experts there that are gardeners, planters, um, lots of different. Uh, we have like Keep Gastonia Beautiful. So uh, I know a lot of cities have their own, like, keep, insert cities name, beautiful um, programs, and we'll be talking with them about things that they can do, you can do with your house. There's lots of other vendors that'll be coming too, um, activities for kids. And then, of course, we're going to let you take a little piece of earth home with you. Um, so we will have some gemstone mining, and yes, it is indoors. Uh, so the nice thing is, is, you know, once you come in your car, you can uh, just run through the rain to get to the front doors and then everything will be indoors, which is really, really nice. Well, as you make that run to the front door, Brad, they're going to come past the WCNC Chevy Storm Tracker, which will be part yeah. of the front of the museum. Yeah. Uh, because as the doors open at 10 a.m., Brad, you and the team will be there. Uh, what can people expect? Who can they expect to come see at the museum? Yeah, so we, we're going to have the whole team there at some point over that two hours. We all, we've got a lot of activities going on this weekend. So Larry, myself, uh, KJ, Brittany, and Chris are all going to be out there from 10 to 12. Um, I would say the best time to get out there would be right around 11 because I think we're all going to be there at that exact time. Um, you know, we've got some other things we're going to. But the great thing is we're going to have a green screen out there. Um, you can come kind of act like you're doing the weather in front of that. You can see the, uh, the Chevy Storm Tracker. Uh, we'll have some handouts and stuff and we'll just talk weather, climate and uh, environment. If you wanna ask us questions, take pictures or just say hi, um, this is your chance to do it. It's a great event because as Candace mentioned, there's all this other stuff you can do while you're out there. We're just one of the exhibits kind of the, uh, for the day. Um, so come out and enjoy Earth Day out there. And yeah, we are gonna see some scattered showers, but the good news is it won't be a total washout. The good news is you might get lucky and get there in between showers and storms. But yeah, moving it inside will keep us all dry and kind of safe. But it was we did an event last year out there and it was really enjoyable. We had huge crowds um, show up and it's always fun to kind of interact with uh, the viewers and talk to them. And it's your chance to grill us on questions you've always wanted to ask us. Because, uh, <laughs> um, I always enjoy doing that because it's always fun to, to kind of hear what people have to ask us and get a chance to answer in more than two minutes and 30 seconds, which we normally only have on TV. <laughs> yeah. I'll get you more time than uh, Brad gets and you get to ask questions. We're looking at some of the video from, I think this is the weatherproof event this year, uh, Candace, if I'm not mistaken, you can yep. see yep. Brad and Larry, uh, the rest of the weather team will be out there from WCNC. So the, the doors open at 10 AM, the weather team from CNC will be there during the course of the first two hours. But yep. Candace, you guys go all afternoon long. So if people can't be there in the morning, they yep. can come out. How late does it run? Yeah, so we're doing it from 10 to 4, so a good wide chunk of the day that you can come by. I will say uh, get there early, especially with things like gemstone mining. You know, you want to make sure you grab, make sure we have enough earth to go around for you guys. <laughs> and especially those 
precious little earth pieces, you know, that kids love to take home with them. Um, we will also have some planetarium shows going on that day uh, that are kind of geared towards our earth. Um, so if you've got little ones at home, we have a Sesame Street one. So if you love seeing Elmo and Big Bird, that's at 1130. We have one called Kits the Cat. Now, this is so cool. I got to tell you guys about this one. So Kits the Cat is our planetarium show where humans no longer live on earth. Oh. And cats have evolved to be the superior being. And so they are cat astronauts. But the thing is, is they go and they find old relics from humans. So they'll go and find like the Hubble Space Telescope. They'll find um, relics on the moon where there was a sustainable community. So it's really cool. <laughs> I know it's a little mind bending, but it's a lot of That was also mind bending. <laughs> And then we have uh, the Sky Tonight, which is kind of the most popular show there. It gives you an overview of, um, you know, the, the stars, planets, constellations you guys can find. And we also talk about um, some updates with missions like Artemis 1, Artemis 2, lots of cool space things. So um, there's a lot to go around on Saturday. So you definitely want to mark your calendars and come out for this. Uh, let's do a quick aside. This is not on the script, but. All of my Artemis friends are here. Uh, so, Brad, you did a live stream a couple of weeks back in WCNC Plus and Weather IQ uh, as yeah. NASA was making the announcement for the four astronauts. Yeah. Three from the United States, one from Canada, who will be on Artemis 2 next year to fly, not to the moon, but like around the moon. Yeah. Which will be the closest we've gotten since... 1972! Yeah. There we go. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, Brad, we, we we have all like a hometown hero kind of uh, uh, who's going to be on Artemis 2. Yeah, we've got you've got an astronaut from North Carolina went to NC State and um you know she is she's an amazing woman um Kristen Cook. I mean she's just uh she is just you know uh, amazing. You kind of figured she was probably going to be one of the finalists to get picked, but the cool thing is um she grew up in eastern North Carolina. She's got like 4 degrees from NC State, which is like an overachiever for sure. Um but kind of shows the kind of person she is. And she will be on the crew. So I think a lot of folks are going to be super excited um, to have somebody who is, 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 is you know, from the Carolinas and has ties here. That's always kind of makes it more fascinating. And yeah. I think inspires a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of young girls and people in the Carolinas because they can aspire to somebody that is actually from here and has done uh, this amazing thing, you know. Uh, hopefully she'll be on follow-up missions and maybe she'll actually get to be one of the astronauts that steps foot on the moon when they do Artemis three and beyond. So this will be really cool next year. I, I think a lot of folks, you know, I, I hear a lot of, you know, we get geeked up over this, but a lot of common people are just kind of catching on like, wow, they're go we're going back to the moon next year. And I think because of the modern technology we have in the communication we're going to have 4K video and imagery and it's going to be coming in like real time. I think visually it's going to catch the attention of America really quickly when we start doing this, because we're going to have these daily hourly updates and there's going to be people out there that can and they're, that are active on social media, which I think is cool, too, that you can interact with astronauts on social media and they're very active and they're willing to share their love for science with everybody. So it, it, in some ways, it's like, yeah, we did this in the, in the 60s and 70s, but it's a different time now. And the fact that we can take part in it just so easily with our with our social media and mass communication, I think is going to make this all inspiring to a whole new generation of kids. 
I think you're so right. They're, they are looking for people who are going to engage the audience, not only on TV, but through social media, that 4K, that high resolution. I mean, we're not going to we're not going to replace the video of Neil Armstrong stepping down. In the no. room, but We're going to add to that library. Uh, yeah. Here's a live look tonight from the International Space Station. And, you know, we we see shots like this all the time. And I think we almost get so accustomed to like, oh, yeah. yeah, there's Earth. Yeah, cameras flying around. <laughs> This is a, we forget how awesome this is. Yeah. Space program in general to be able to look back down. I mean, this is literally, a, this is live video right now on this Wednesday night um, that is available from, an, from a national laboratory, an international laboratory with people from all different countries, countries that might have political differences, but are all in this together to fly to the moon. And yeah. So and that's a big thing too. You know, before it was just the U S this is going to be more of a, of an international, you know, you've got the Canadian space agency, you've got the European space agency, you've got scientists from all over the world. So we've got a much bigger accumulation of, of knowledge and technology and even the rocket itself at different parts are made from different companies. Private sector is involved, which is a whole new thing. We don't even have just NASA We've got private companies that are involved in this. And that's why it's important to Americans, because a lot of folks will say, you know, why are we wasting our money on this? Well, we're not. There's a lot of private companies involved that these investments are going to turn into products that are going to be worth billions of dollars down the road. You think about the original space race to the moon and what technology that we use today that spawned from that. It's actually a very cheap investment when you think about the technology that will spawn from this and make us all better, make our lives all much better. And Candace, this is more than just the moon. This is about getting to a whole other planet. Oh my gosh, yes. So like, this is kind of like our, our first, like, and so you'll hear this a lot with NASA. They're talking about to the moon and beyond because we're going camping, right? And if you get a new tent, it's easier to camp in your backyard first. Make sure you brought everything you need before you go on your big, long trip, right? Because you don't want to forget exactly what we're doing. We're, we're camping. Camping in our backyard before we go to Mars and we do ours. And that's a much, much longer journey. That's going to be instead of the order of days and weeks for astronauts. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be awesome. I mean, it's, I, I'm excited. I just think, you know, it's it, it's really cool if you get into this stuff. But I think even if you're not into science, like I said, there's going to be enough visually appealing things about these missions that I think that are going to pull in a lot of people that probably don't even right now realize how cool it's going to be. Yeah. So, I, was thinking about, yeah, I was going to say, I remember the eclipse a couple years ago and it, it, I was geeked up for it. I know Candace, you were geeked up for it. Everyone's geeked up for it. And we went down to, you know, rural South Carolina. I brought a photographer, a live truck operator. They just are like, yeah, we're covering this thing. And even my family, like, what are we doing? We're going to the middle of somewhere to watch when it happened, the look on people's faces, they all, it was like, they all got it. It was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. That was, I think of all the cool things about the eclipse, the eclipse itself was awesome, but to see the looks on people's faces who really didn't understand what an eclipse was and when they got it, that to me was worth the whole event. So I think very similarly, you're going to see a lot of things like that happen during the Artemis, uh, you know, two and three. So exciting. What an exciting time to be alive, too, as we get to uh, return to the moon. Uh, Candace, I know you were trying to say something. We had you in a little bit of a delay. So I've unmuted you and I'm oh, going to stop talking and let you go ahead and get your point in. 
<laughs> I was just going to say, I think one of the coolest things about seeing the moon, and like, it doesn't matter who you are, what race you are, what political standing you are, what orientation, like, we all have a chance to see the moon. And so it's really cool because that's something we can all unite together, moon outside. Now we get to see it in a really high resolution, and it's something that we can share your standing with or who you're with. Absolutely. And so uh, if you are a nerd and you want to come nerd out with these guys in person, you like how I'm bringing this back full circle, uh, you can come to the Shield Museum on Saturday for the Flower Power event. The WCNC weather team will be there starting at 10 a.m. You can catch them throughout the course of the first two hours, but you can hang out with Candace and her awesome team even beyond that in Gastonia. Candace, remind us one more time, how much does this cost to get in? Yes. So it's Saturday, 10 to 4. It is $3 plus. Um, so just giving you a heads up, if you're a museum member, you get in for free and then you add only $3 per person if you're a member. Um, so a perk of becoming a member. Um, but yeah, have a, a really awesome day. It's all indoors. So once again, you don't have to worry about being outdoors in the rain. Uh, to all the meteorologists there, come talk to all the people who are talking about gardening and earth and can we live on. Very cool. Very cool. Thank you, Candice. Uh, we look forward to seeing you on Saturday uh, for that event. Uh, we will let you uh, get on with your evening here. And we're uh, so excited that we're going to get to hang out with you on Saturday. So thank you, Candice. Bye. Bye. <laughs> All right, Brad, you got another event that people can come and nerd out about. This one is tomorrow night. If you're watching live with us right now on Wednesday night, this is tomorrow night. If you're listening yeah. to the podcast while driving to work, I don't know, on Thursday morning, <laughs> tonight thursday april 20th at 7 p.m lower left brewing company which is in charlotte what can people expect out of this event yeah so i did a talk there last year and it was really successful we did kind of a, a kind of a beer and weather talk and it was just a more of a general weather talk and so we wanted to do another one here in the spring and we thought you know spring's a great time to talk about severe weather um so this will be kind of a double event it's going to be talking about severe weather and also serve as a basic spotter training course so if you want to be kind of more of a trained spotter to help us out report severe weather to the national weather service help us track weather and kind of have a better knowledge of what you're seeing in the sky we will have a presentation and kind of a mini class to help you get up to speed on how to spot severe weather because uh, there's a lot of things you know that we need the specific information on that we're looking for and also there's a lot of uh, things the atmosphere and sky can trick you into thinking you're looking at something else and we'll give you some of the tools that can help you kind of figure that out plus it's also a time to kind of hang out and um, enjoy uh, maybe some adult beverages if you like beer, but it is family friendly. I will tell you that as well. They do have water, juice. They will have food trucks there so you can eat. Um, I think they're going to have a pizza food truck and one other food truck. Um, and it's outdoors and indoors. There's kind of covered areas. Um, and the weather's going to be great. It's actually, a, the venue is really nice. It's um, Lower Left Brewing is in the Lower South End area of Charlotte. And it was just voted like the best um I can't remember the name they actually gave, but it suits it well. The the Charlotte Magazine, I think the it Bob was award? Like, the best of the best. They got a Bob Award for like the uh, kind of like most chill brewery, like low uh, low chill. key, because okay. it's not overwhelming like some of these other ones around town where there's just a bazillion people. A lot of dogs hang out there. It's very relaxed, so it's a it's a great atmosphere for us, and you can actually be able to hear and see me because it's kind of a smaller 
uh, venue, but it's a it's a great place, and uh, I, I highly suggest you come out. And if you can't, we're going to be streaming it as well. That's right. WCNC Plus on Roku, Amazon, and the Weather IQ YouTube channel from WCNC. So if you are watching or listening to the Carolina Weather Group and maybe are or are not in the greater Charlotte area, you can tune in online, live, or on demand. Uh, you mentioned yeah. the Bob Awards. So not only yeah. can you come out to one of the most chill, best of the best places in Charlotte, but you can <laughs> learn from one of the Bob Award recipients himself. Fifth year running, Brad, for Charlotte's, I'm going to get the title wrong, favorite meteorologist? Something like that. It's, you know, yeah, there was, it's always nice because the cool thing about that award is it's kind of voted on by the people. So, um, yeah, that's always a great honor and it's Charlotte's been good to me. And so, yeah, I think fifth year in a row, like you said, I don't, I don't think I kept track. It's been a couple of years, but, um, yeah, voted, you know, uh, Charlotte's favorite meteorologist or weathercaster. It's yeah. uh, always an honor to get that award because that means people unsolicited, <laughs> Like required, they vote on this and like say, hey, he's our favorite person. So I really appreciate that. Charlotte has been very good to me and I love giving back. So this is a chance to come out and kind of hang out with me. We can geek out over weather stuff. <laughs> yeah. And the runner up was some guy named Larry Sprinkle. Yeah. Watch, yeah, watch out for familiar. him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he's, he's been doing it for a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> he's relatively new to the space. Yeah. Um, so this will be a cool opportunity for people to come out. Again, I want to stress it's family friendly. It's happening at a brewery, yeah. but mm -hmm. it is family friendly. Uh, yeah. You can join us in person or online. And when I say us, I will also be there. Not that anyone <laughs> wants to come out and see me. They want to come out and see you, but I will be behind the camera for anyone who's watching uh, yeah. on, online. Um, and so this will help you um, either as a first time storm spotter or as someone looking for a refresher course as we yeah. head into that severe weather season. That's very exciting. Yeah, we're going to I'm going to try to cover everything to get you the necessary training for basic. And, you know, a lot of it, I'll add in some of the stuff that we talk about to make it more easy to understand. And I think the most important thing is, you know, not only training you how to spot things, but how do you get information to us? Um, social media is huge, but there's other ways to get it to us, tagging us, tagging the weather service. Uh, the great thing is we have such a good relationship with the National Weather Service. I often tell people the reason I retweet everyone's reports is because they will then get the report. So sending it to me is, in fact, a way to get it to them. But if you can send it to both, that's great. But if you can just send it to me via Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, then I can just reshare it. And then they monitor my social feeds and they get that as well. Or we sometimes manually type it in. Yeah. And I, I really should stress how important spotters are, because um, in this day and age, we have all this great technology, Doppler radar, satellites, uh, awesome weather instruments. But the human eye and the human observer is still one of the most valuable weather tools we have because spotting and seeing stuff gives us confirmation and makes it a lot easier to do our job, especially during severe weather. You mentioned Twitter a moment ago. I'll put you on the spot slightly, but I know sure. you're you're read up on this. So um, we always are telling people to have multiple ways to get severe weather warnings. Uh, Twitter right now has been going through this ownership change thing. It's a story that I'm sure lots of our viewers have uh, heard a little something about. But the Weather Service uh, tweeted within the past week um, that they are going to try to continue to tweet warnings, but are not. What's the way to phrase this? They're not confident that all yeah. of their automation is going to continue to send out warnings in real time due to limitations being put on the platform when it comes to using bots yeah. to tweet things like weather warnings. So Brad, I got a weather radio here. Uh, yeah. What are some of the ways that people can go about to get multiple ways to have redundancy to receive severe weather notifications? Yeah, I think it's a good wake up call because Twitter is going to become a little more unreliable. It 
it will still be useful, but it's just it should never be your primary source um, for severe weather warnings. You should have at least three. Um, and that's because if one fails you or one doesn't work, you've got a backup and then a backup to the backup. So social media is still a valuable tool and it could be all social media, Twitter, Facebook, um, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. We do. We use all those to get words out ahead of time. But actual real time warnings. Twitter was kind of the best place. It's kind of becoming less of the best place. Um, a weather radio is great. A lot of apps, the WCNC Charlotte app is great, but there are other apps that push notifications. Your phone in general pushes out wireless emergency alerts. You have to go into your settings and make sure they're turned on. Um, you can also um, call and text people. Believe it or not, that is still a very effective way um, having friends and family that contact you. Watching TV or watching a stream of somebody doing severe weather coverage is a great uh, a tool as well. So there's a lot of different ways to get them, but have at least three of those. So if you got a TV, weather radio, social media app, um, maybe a friend that you call, maybe a text alert service. So the more of those you have, the better in case one fails you. And here's the thing. Do you have to have them going all the time? Some of them you do, but the great news is usually we'll give you a heads up like that there's going to be severe weather. That's the reason we do what we do so that, you know, you can activate some of these other services, maybe in real time, um, like maybe have the weather radio ready to go in case there are warnings in the middle of the night, but you should have at least three ways to get warnings just in case one of them doesn't work. All right. So if you want to ask your own questions of chief meteorologist, Brad Panovich from WCNC in Charlotte, uh, you can join him in person or online tomorrow yep. just thursday april 20th at 7 p.m lower left brewing company in charlotte for a weather spotter class lasts about 90 minutes i do want to stress for anybody who might be listening to the carolina weather group or watching us on a replay or on demand and it is now thursday april 20th and we hope you will join us tonight uh i know that gets a little that gets a little funny for a podcast that streams live on wednesday and then becomes I think some people's Thursday morning audio drive into work. So yeah, I uh, try to try. We try to bridge that gap a little bit. Uh, Brad, very last question before we go. Yep. Uh, allergy season started early. Yes. Mid February. <laughs> it is. It is just like living all up in my nose yeah. and my sinuses. Me will too. it, will <laughs> it end early? No, you would think, um, you know, it kind of seems like common sense. Well, it starts early. It should end early. Well, Unfortunately, the trees don't always cooperate with us. What we have found talking to arborists and plant biologists is that these early starts to the pollen season don't necessarily mean they shut down the trees. Some will, depending on the species, but very few do. What happens is they will go through multiple pollination phases during the spring. They will take advantage of the early warm up. They'll pollinate once. And then when it warms up again in March and April at a normal time, they will then pollinate again and the season tends to go on. And then you think about trees like pine and cedar, ones that are, are, aren't deciduous that have needles, they can just pump out pollen all the time. They will take advantage of any situation. So what happens is the pollen season starts early and it just goes longer. So unfortunately, um, we're not really done with it, but we're getting close. The peak is usually right now, middle of April. Usually by the time we start the beginning of May, it starts winding down and by the middle of May, it really goes away and we start getting in into the grass pollen and the hay fever but for tree pollen sufferers this is a brutal time of year because it is just it's a lot of pollen in a short period of time i'm a i'm a tree sufferer yes uh, and i didn't have it until i moved 
to Charlotte. I didn't have it in New York. I didn't have it in Georgia. My first spring here, I was like, what is this? Yeah, it's, it, it is very common for people to move here and then have these allergies because remember, you're not probably exposed to these pollens growing up or living in other part of the country and probably not at these levels or density. Um, everything, every tree here blooms and goes crazy. So um, sometimes it just overwhelms your system. It's not that you're overly allergic to maybe the one pollen. It's just you get so many in there, your body just naturally reacts. And sometimes just over time, it ends up affecting you. So it, that's pretty common. The big ones that really affect people are the oak, the cedar, um, the sycamore, sometimes the birch. I find the oaks and maples are the first ones. And cedar is always a really bad one. That's where the term cedar fever comes from. Um, if you live in Texas, cedar is a big issue down there. Cedar can be a horrible, it's a great wood. Um, it smells great, but the pollen is absolutely horrible for people. <laughs> Cool. Well, Brad, we appreciate your time. Hopefully people come out uh, either in person or virtually for your spotter class on Thursday and then the Shield Muse Museum event on Saturday uh, as we look forward to spreading awareness, learning about weather and celebrating Earth Day. And uh, we will see you on the news tonight at uh, 11 o'clock on WCNC. Yep, I will see you there. Thank you very much, Brad Panovich, Chief Meteorologist, WCNC in Charlotte. That's going to do it for this edition of the Carolina Weather Group. I'm James Briarton in Charlotte. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you get a chance to uh, learn a little bit more about weather and the environment and science by partaking in some of these upcoming events. And we will see you back here real soon for another edition of the Carolina Weather Group.